0: Love Talk Radio. Everybody, and welcome to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Finkel, with Ruben Torres. And, um, folks, a great show again tonight. Um, and we're going to be talking about lots of things Common Core, um, you name it, uh, Muslim Mosque in New Jersey. And uh, it's a doubleheader tonight. And um, before I get into specifics, I do want to mention the 501c3 nonprofit that supports this show. Um, And the essay contest that's going out for the youth, it's called Tipping Point, and we will have the link very soon. Um, It's an essay contest in which, if you are between the ages 18 and 25, attending a two- or four-year university, Um, You are going to have to write an essay. Well, you don't have to, but if you want to, um, you can participate in this essay contest. Um, And uh, the winner, I believe, is going to receive $2,000 towards the tuition. And um, the first essay contest that we have under tipping point um, is about the financial debt. So we have that, and I'm going to have the link ready for everybody. I'm going to send it out very soon. Very excited about this. Um, and, Ruben, I forgot to ask you this. Um, what do you think of a, a, an essay contest like that for for our youth? I think it's I awesome, think it's, don't you?
1: I, I do. I, I think it's awesome, and and I think it's beneficial to give some uh, – as an incentive for our our future generation to, you know – Basically, get away from playing those video games and, and start focusing on on, on on the future. And, and by writing essays, you, you, you're going to come along and, and, and you're going to grow.
0: Yeah, because they're the ones who are taking this country from us. And right yeah. now, we are—I want to say—eighteen trillion in debt. Okay, right. I, I did not. I checked the number a day or two ago, and I know it keeps going up by the minute. Um, So, folks, uh, you know, so that link's going to be out. Um, It is on our main website under GoFundMe right now, Um, and the rules and regulations are are there also and how to participate. Um, And, yes, our youth is the one who's going to be taking this country, and um, if we don't get to them, uh basically, in a few years, in my opinion, I don't think we're even going to have a country. But, um, you, you know, that's the, the big important thing. And one of the topics, by the way, folks, we're going to be talking about, speaking of youth, is common core. Um, and so much has been said about education and how, how it has manipulated the, the brains of our youth. And um, we're going to be bringing our guests on in about two minutes. Uh, we have a great guest for that. Um, who's a Fox News uh, Radio political, an- political analyst for Fox News Radio? Uh, she'll be coming on in about two minutes. Her name is Bethany Blankley, and we're going to be discussing all these issues. And, Ruben, uh, before yes. we do that, um, human trafficking. Okay. Um, congratulations! On your...
1: on, congratulations on your award.
0: Yes. Um, the case in Buffalo, if we remember, we've had it on the radio, was Amanda Lynn Winkowski. Uh, a few years ago, um, she was involved. Well, she was trafficked, and, you know, she got mixed up with the wrong gang. And, you know, every time I keep uh, on this radio program, I keep telling you the victim of human trafficking doesn't always have to be a woman. It could be a young boy, too. And they get seduced by these Pimps or pimpettes, if you want to call them, and um, they're they're highly manipulative, and they um, these young kids are often seeking something, and um, you know they they might even want money. But what these pimp or pimpettes do is that they manipulate our young, and they tell them, well, you want to make fifteen hundred a night, okay? This and that, putting an that on backpage or craigslist or whatever. And, um, you know, and you can go and, and perform in a chat room. And, um, and a lot of the youth do that and they, and they get, um, they use drugs to, to relax their mind, but then they get addicted to drugs and then the whole cycle starts. And this one case, Amanda Lynn Minkowski, she was trafficked one night, um, and in which, uh, she was given the date rape drug and, um, According to the autopsy and a couple of detectives, it was too much, and she passed out and, and passed away that night. And the case had gone on for a number of months, in fact, quite a while. Um, and it it shows, it really highlighted how bad the human trafficking is in the United States, and I'm sure Ruben can
2: mm-hmm.
0: make a point on that because he has dealt with that, right, Ruben?
1: Correct. Correct. Uh, I, I've, I've always said from the very beginning when we started discussing about human trafficking that it's a global issue. One country, two countries, three countries cannot fix this problem. This has to be a joint effort. It has to be a global calling to stop human trafficking because there's so many entities that are involved in this. You have the cartels, the drug cartels. You have, you have also the human trafficking cartels. You have governments, governments that actually are involved in this. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different, the mafia also is involved in this. Uh, so you governments have to come together to combat human trafficking on a global scale.
0: Yes, it can't just be um, us or even our group here. And, you know, we, we in this particular case, I want to tell everybody, um, even though we were not able to get a conviction on the perpetrators, um, we were able to pass Amanda Lynn's law. Um, and what that says is that as a felony now, it, it's you um, in, involved or anyway connected to a person who becomes deceased, you may not move the body. Um, otherwise, it becomes felony. So we were able to pass a, a law on that, and that's where that that whole situation is. I know, isn't that sad, Ruben? That you actually have to make a law where you can't, yeah, you, you just, like that. But that, you know? nowadays,
1: that, that that nowadays that's becoming the, the norm. That's becoming the norm, and it's a great ach- ach- achievement on your part because. The death of Amanda is not going to waste. You know, there's there's a law that has been passed, just like Amber, the Amber Alert for the young child yeah. Amber. So it's a it's a great accomplishment, and I and I congratulate you on that because you 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 put such an effort, huge effort, going to Buffalo and 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 and, and really, you were so involved and you're still involved in the Amanda uh, case. When, when so congratulations. You
0: see the devastation upon these victims and how it wreaks havoc on the family,
1: right. oh, my
0: God, you know, it, it's incredible. And Ruben's it's right, a, this thing is all over the world.
1: Right, and, and one of the other things is it's not just basically, oh, that problem is out there. No, this, you know, in another country, this problem is impacting suburban, the rural areas, the urban areas. It's everywhere and we need to to work together to, to to you know as 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 a society to to combat this this evil.
0: Yes. So um and for more information on that you can go to our website. Um uh, we have a division on there called the um uh division for uh justice against human trafficking and it's right there on our website. And guess what Ruben? We have a young lady waiting to speak, <laughs> um, uh, and her name is Bethany Plankley.
3: Um, Bethany, can you hear me? I sure can. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for me, having me, Having and hello. Good evening, Reuben. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, great,
1: great, folks, to have you on, on, great to have you on the show. Thank you.
3: Yes.
0: Bethany is the um, is, a Fox, is Fox is News radio political analyst, right? And also can um can you tell us
3: um what you do? Give us a little background. Sure. Um I'm an editor for constitution.com, which is a news site um for that's within the Liberty Alliance network and I've also done um some public speaking on Islam, and uh, but more related to Christians in America involved in politics. I do a lot of speaking related to Islam and human rights for women and girls. And uh, my background is political. I worked on Capitol Hill during the impeachment proceedings of Bill Clinton, but before that, uh, my first job was with Bob Dole, and after... Uh, Working on Capitol Hill, I moved to New York in 2000, and I worked for former Governor Pataki, Uh, and then I went to grad school overseas and lived overseas for a while and came back and did some uh, communications and PR and consulting for think tanks, and then a couple years ago I started doing commentary. I'm writing columns in my own name instead of for elected officials, and right now I'm I've been on sabbatical, and I've kind of come back out from that uh, because I've I'm almost done with a couple of book projects that I've been working on, and so in the meantime, um, I've hosted a radio program called America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio, but I think I'm moving over to W A A R, which is We Are America Radio, uh, with Wayne Dupree and some other folks uh, there. Um, And so that's kind of, that's kind of um, what I've been doing. And also I'll probably start getting back into doing commentary on television uh, just from a conservative, concerned American perspective. And, uh, you know, I like to say that people are equally, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I am not a Republican.
2: (laughs) I'm not a Republican
3: and I'm not a Democrat. So, I I think that, um, especially from having worked on Capitol Hill, I can tell you that uh, what's going on today in D.C. Is, is beyond comprehensible in terms of the level of corruption and how both parties are bought by the same special interests and do not represent mm-hmm. the American people. And, it, you know, the more and more I... Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm speaking or meeting with different groups, it uh, doesn't matter what state I'm in. Uh, you know, people do care, but they need a leader and they need tools in terms of what can they do because all everyone talks about the problems and we can all b- blame other people and point fingers and say there's this problem or that problem or whatever. But there are very few people who have the courage. Or the leadership capabilities to actually come up with solutions and bring t- people together and rally behind what solution, how can we help people uh because you know everybody can uh, everyone can identify what they think a problem is, and in some ways that's that's good, but in other ways it's not really helpful because you can bicker over what the problem is as opposed to figuring out well what is this solution, how can we how can we deal with this particular issue, and what is our goal? What is our shared goal as an american um because I can tell you i'm I don't know if I'm abnormal for being a conservative, but you know I have friends that have different from all different walks of life who are uh have different racial and economic backgrounds or heritage. And I've lived in eight different states. I've lived in three different, four different countries. And I, I think that Americans and people in general have a lot more in common than they think they have in differences. And so my goal has always been to say, uh, you know, we have a lot more in common than we think we do, and to f- start with the common ground, and to start with, well how do we do what's best for our society? How do we do what's best for our children? How do we do what's best for the future of our country? And how do we defend the various freedoms and protections that are in the Constitution uh, that have been completely neglected and, and broken time and time again by people in Washington who are not held accountable for not upholding and protecting the constitution. So that's kind of what I've been uh focusing on the last couple of years and writing about, talking about in terms of explaining what most in the media are not are not pe- are not explaining to the public. So okay, okay that's Bethany, kind of my you're background.
0: Hired. You're, you're hired. No.
1: <laughs> that's, funny. that's that, that that's an impressive, work over here. That's, a, that's an impressive resume.
3: Uh, <laughs> thanks,
1: well, yeah, you know I just
3: reconnected with somebody on Facebook today who told me that he works for Bob Dole, and I was like, Wait a minute, we were on the hill at the same time that was in nineteen ninety five Where were you and he was on this working in like for the state coalitions, and I was in the press office. I was nineteen years old, and nineteen or twenty years old, and i um i met I wasn't going to college at the University of Maryland. And I ha- I don't know how this happened, but I ended up meeting Don Devine who was running for Congress, uh, in a particular I think it was Anna Ronald County, I could be wrong in Maryland. And Don Devine is an old war buddy of Bob Dole and I just happened to be at this thing and met Bob Dole and said, I think you're really great. I really respect your uh your service and your demeanor and your statesmanship and how you can work with people on both sides of the aisle and my grand, Both of my grandparents are veterans who fought in the same war and blah, 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 and I'd love to work for you, and I got a call the next day. And I was the only person not from Kansas working in the office. And it just was a really great uh, experience, and they all called me Jersey because I had come, you know, I had in junior and high school, I would grown up in New Jersey, and I guess, and I was going to school in Maryland, but, uh I wasn't from Kansas, so I had an educational experience about corn and cows and the jayhawks and you know hawks things that I would never not you know that i'm not that I wasn't used to, but it was a really good experience to to um learn from him and uh you know witnessed all of these different things that were going on in d c at the time and be working in the Capitol building. Uh, and so, anyway, I reconnected with somebody on Facebook, and I'm like, "Oh my word, you know, I feel so old, and well, that was twenty years ago. <laughs> I can't believe it, you know, and we had to have known each other and i and, and uh so that's one of the that's one of the positive things about Facebook, which is kind of cool well
1: yeah
3: uh, Go ahead, me, um,
1: after after that impressive resume uh there's so much we can talk about, but in in reference to uh briefly Bob dole. Bob Dole, as, as I respect his service, I was not impressed with his presidential run. Cause oh he, no,
0: it was a disaster.
1: Yeah, it was part of. He, I think he was the he was the uh, the beginning of the Rhino movement. He was he was the head leader. I mean, then the rest of the the rest of the Rhinos that we have been getting for the past quite a few. I mean, quite a few years. But I want to. I want to. I just wanted to touch on that briefly. But my main point is that. You mentioned corruption. You mentioned the D.C. environment, how out of touch a lot of the politicians are. Uh, Is that the reason why someone like Bernie Sanders and someone like Donald Trump has generated so much excitement out there? Because every other politician, with the exception, and I have to tell you, uh, Chris Christie and Ted Cruz, are two candidates that that I think have the same appeal as Donald Trump, but they're a little bit more laid back, not as yeah. blood as uh, Chris Christie, a little more than, than Ted Cruz. Do you find, in your experience, been involved in D.C. and politics, that these two candidates, if the Bernie Sanders from the Democrats and Donald Trump from the Republicans, have generated so much excitement? that people are moving away from the traditional politician?
3: Um, I think right now, yes and no. Right now, um, Donald Trump provides great entertainment, and the majority of Americans watch reality television. They don't know history. They don't know basic uh, facts about representative government or law. Uh, they, A lot of people have opinions without understanding the difference between an opinion or a justified belief where you have an argument that's supported by actual facts. Um, Donald Trump is entertaining, he's funny, uh, he's energetic and dynamic, and he's a fresh face. And so, yes, people are fed up with the corruption in D.C. They don't believe that their their voice matters. They think that they are going to elect Republicans into Congress to repeal Obamacare. They think they're going to elect Republicans into a majority in the House and the Senate to stop Obama on many different levels. When they find that they're that they're actually just doing the exact same thing, and that there is no difference between sure. Mitch McConnell and John Boehner and Hillary Clinton and a bunch of other people, and so they're like, well, what's the point? Why does my vote matter? If the people in D.C. are not representing me, they're representing however much money that they are getting from special interests. And I think that there's only so much so far that dynamic personality and entertainment will bring you. And it's still early on in the race. I mean, right now it is September and we have another we have another year and two months or another year and six weeks before uh before the election so first of all it's really early and a lot can change between now and the end of the year let alone now and next year so yes. uh, chris christie in my opinion should be in jail and uh as should hillary clinton and a bunch of other people um but i don't know what's going to happen with um with uh, donald trump i think he has a great appeal right now because he's really entertaining and he's resonating with the with the frustration that so many americans have but if you actually look into his record and into things that he said everything that he's saying now is the exact opposite of things that he might have said a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago or historically what he has said in the past so people are fed up about immigration So he says, we're going to deport everybody, but if you read any of his previous statements, he actually favors amnesty, and he doesn't have a definitive idea of where you draw the line on who do you deport. And then if he says he supports Christians and all this other stuff, he actually wants to to nominate his sister to uh, the Supreme Court, and his sister... Uh, wrote a brief as a federal judge in the state of New Jersey arguing in favor of partial birth abortion. So how can you say that you're the greatest Christian advocate and you think that some parts of Planned Parenthood are good after it's revealed that Planned Parenthood is selling full, is selling intact and partial baby body parts, live organs and tissues, and, and yet he says he's going to... Uh, shut down the government over defunding Planned Parenthood, but at the same time would nominate his sister to be Supreme Court Justice, who, by the way, supports partial birth abortion, and most certainly would support Planned Parenthood selling body parts, you're already ripping the baby apart to begin with. Why not make a profit and sell the baby parts while you're at it? So as far as Donald Trump is concerned, I don't really see how... I honestly don't see how he is going to last or make it when it comes to substantial issues and policy positions. And I don't know his political team. I don't know the people on his campaign team. I don't know their backgrounds. All I can say is that, you know, he, he's resonating with people's frustrations, but that's not enough. And my whole thing has been, you need to have a someone who you can believe in who you want to vote for that you're with not voting for someone because you're against something else that's not that's right. not you right. know so um uh,
0: but I, I but yeah I mean
3: I just want to cut
0: in and ask you so um you had mentioned earlier that um both parties uh have seemed to be controlled by the same people. Um yes and you know I, I have believed that too
3: but um would, is there any Do you want me to give you particular? an example? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay so yeah, the Washington okay. Post had a chart um uh last December the uh, believe it was December 14th was when the omnibus bill passed the Senate and the House and when that happened it for me personally it was devastating because at that point I knew that things were over for America unless Congress was going to deal with our deficit and our budget. We were, in, we are in serious trouble because our, because what we are continuing to do is not sustainable. And both Republicans and Democrats voted for an omnibus bill. And what an omnibus bill is, it is not a budget. There has not been a budget in Congress since the since the earlier mid 90s a budget process starts in the Senate and the House where after the um uh oh what's it called there's a there's an ordinance there's a government agency that that goes through and analyzes uh the expenditures and the income for uh the budget in D C. Uh the Senate and the House review it. They determine in various committees what they're willing to allocate funds towards, which is called appropriations. And then each of these committees, they go through and they allocate, okay, we're going to appropriate X dollars towards this. We need to cut X dollars towards this, blah, blah, blah. Both committees, both budget committees on the Senate and the House get together and they have a conference. Then the budget is presented to the president. The president then either signs or vetoes or whatever. Now, sometimes the president will also... Uh, present his budget, but all of this is supposed to, it's in the law it's in the co- it's in the code in our legal code. The budget is supposed to be submitted by a specific date, and then Congress and the president have x time to vote on that budget. That has not happened since at least nineteen ninety seven so the omnibus bill what the what every year when people talk about oh we're reaching the debt ceiling every year this happens it's like you have a credit card bill. And you have exceeded your limit. And so you beg the credit card company to, exceed, to extend your limit and let you postpone when you pay the minimum amount, amount due. And that's exactly what Congress is doing. They keep extending the limit to borrow and pushing back whether or not when they have to, vote to pay for any of the minimum amount on when that is due. And so when they voted for that omnibus bill on December 14th of last year, what they did is they committed the United States of America to more debt and more uh, deficit spending. They committed more borrowing towards programs that we don't have the money to spend on. And 75% of the foreign budget that, uh, that was allocated goes to Islamic countries that have that have specifically stated they hate America and they want to kill Americans. But the biggest issue that I saw which had to do with uh, immigration immigration and Obamacare is that the Washington Post had a chart and it showed how much money each member of Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, received from the same exact companies in the financial services industry, in real estate, in banking, and and uh it showed that on average the people who voted yes for the omnibus bill received approximately $300,000 each in campaign donations the people who voted no received a little about a little over maybe 150,000 generally each the people who go to no received it generally, each about 150000 from the same organizations. And if you actually go, and I've written about this. I, I don't know if it was in the Washington Times. You can maybe do a search on my website, BethanyBlankley.com. I wrote about this, and I linked to the the Washington Post uh, breakdown on the chart, and I linked to text within the bill because Citigroup and other banks literally wrote the legislation, and this is, oh, it's in, the, it's in an article I wrote about uh, Sam Adams' four criteria for armed rebellion. One of them is when, uh, you're, when the representatives don't represent the people anymore. The other is when the elected officials aren't actually writing the laws. And I can tell you from personal experience, from eyewitness testimony, and anybody else who's worked on Capitol Hill, no legislator writes the the laws that they are voting on. In fact, most of them don't read them, they don't know what's in them, and they vote on them based on how people in their caucus or their friends are voting. And the problem with this omnibus bill is that you had banks who, by the way, every time there's been a bailout, the banks get zero interest, and they'd reap all of this money from the federal government for zero interest. Then they turn around and they take people's homes from them they 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 people default on their mortgages, including veterans, and the banks who got all this money bailing them out because they made really, really illegal decisions and choices violating numerous laws. The banks get bailed out for zero interest, people lose their homes. your credit card payments now are close to 30% in interest, plus $30 or $25 late fees in addition to other fees. And yet, the laws that are being written to regulate those fees are being written by the banks who paid the legislators to vote for the law that the banks wrote. Now, if I don't know what corruption is, that's corruption. And so every single person who voted for that omnibus bill should be kicked out of Congress. Every single person who's voting for the Iran deal should be tried for treason. You cannot, under Article Three of the Constitution, send money to people who are specifically enemies of the United States of America. You cannot aid and abet. you cannot harbor, you cannot finance. Sending money to people who are specifically saying they want to kill Americans is no it could not be a greater, clearer, more clear definition of treason, and yet, every single person who is allegedly against the Iran deal is now completely silent and now and they're on all, board. On. I
0: wanna yeah, I wanna cut in again. because um, you you and I were talking and um in New Jersey we have a number of Muslim mosques here. Um and uh they all do get they get tax exemptions.
3: Well yeah they're not um, they're a nonprofit like a church or any other religious organization. That's correct. And, but in New but, York State, we we
0: actually have a town that's called Islamburg.
3: Yes, there and are two Sharia compliant towns. There are two Sharia compliant towns technically in America. One is Islamburg in upstate New York in the Catskills, and the other is called Holy Islamville, which is in uh, northern South Carolina. Now there are other enclaves of Sharia compliant areas in Minnesota and Michigan. However, they don't have specific town charters that actually state the uh, okay. Sharia laws so, and that kind so of thing. So when you
0: say Sharia compliant, um that means that um it's pretty much Muslim rule over there,
3: like um Well it's 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 uh Sharia just means submission uh to Islam and is actually Islam means submission and Sharia is actually another word for Islam uh, in Arabic, and so it just all that means is that you're following what the Quran instructs. Because what people need to people most Americans don't know this is that Islam is not a religion; it is a political totalitarian ideology. It encompasses every area of life. There are specific sections in the book that tells tells uh, that tells people how many wives they can have, who they can and can't have sex with, how many slaves they can have. Uh, about not having usury, uh, what you can and can't eat, how you can kill or not kill an animal. They're very specific instructions, but there's legal codes, there's uh, religious code, there's family code, so you have family law, you have civil law, you have criminal law. It's all outlined in the Quran, and it's an entire way of living, It is not a, it's not a religion like somebody going to church or opening up a Torah, uh, going to a synagogue, and then it isn't like that. This is a, this is an complete ideology, and if you want to leave it, the instructions in the Quran are for people to be killed. And this is why I make a very big distinction between Muslims and Islam, because a lot of people can say they hate Muslims and they're anti-Muslim or whatever, and I am not. I say I'm very much anti-Islam, but I am very much pro-Muslim because the majority of Muslims are illiterate, especially women and children. They're not allowed to read or go to school. They're not allowed to leave their home without without uh, permission from the father or the husband. And, and you were talking about sex trafficking earlier, uh, domestic mm-hmm. violence, wife abuse, uh, sex trafficking, Uh, child marriage, pedophilia, all of this is institutionalized within Islam. And the biggest uh, victims, in my opinion, are the women and children. And I believe that if people had the opportunity to read and the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to leave Islam, they would. The reason why they can't is for fear of death. So imagine living in any society, whether it's communist or under Nazism or, uh, you know, under the um the uh, under a mafia or some kind of um drug lord or whatever in central or south america imagine that you can't you have no freedom of choice you have no freedom of movement you have no freedom of thought you have no freedom to disagree so there is it's uh there's a very there's a very overarching structure of censorship that allows for limited freedoms Specifically, if you reject the Islamic teaching, and specifically if you reject Sharia law, you are the people who follow the Quran as instructed through several interpretations of the Quran, which is which is what's compiled in something known as the Hadith and the Sunnah, which is like our constitution. And so all of these things are saying to the people within Islamic societies that, Uh, You must follow X, Y, and Z. If you don't, these are the punishments. If you try to leave, we are instructed to kill you. In fact, if we don't kill you, we are not following the law. So the problem for me... Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead. and then I'm going to... So the problem is that any Sharia compliance, anything that has Sharia compliance is saying,
0: it it doesn't allow for dissent. Right, and... um, my my issue with that is, um okay, you don't have a town called Christianburg, you know, and um in fact, a lot of the Christian symbols and the Christian way of life has been removed from school, yeah you know, and it's 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 um you know it's it's almost like it, it's the obliteration of one religion here.
3: Well, no. I think the important thing for people in America, this is what I say for concerned citizens, regardless of your faith or your non-faith, the Constitution protects the government from making a religion. That's the whole point of the First Amendment. So you cannot have a state-sponsored religion. You can't have a state-sponsored uh, anything related to something that's should be construed as a religion.
0: Yes, or like even We have
3: these towns,
0: but but now we have these towns.
3: You yes, know, but the that towns
0: are built the town upon religion. Go ahead Reuben, I know but you but wanted to get in.
1: Yeah, I I want I want to touch back on on, on what you, you mentioned in regards to the corruption and, and <laughs> not reading the bills, not reading the bills. Uh, these people just basically are just signing on to any bill without reading the bill because they're forced to. I mean, they did it with Obamacare. They've done it with the agricultural, uh, the the agricultural. Uh,
3: yeah, you're right. You mean with the food and with stamps?
1: Faith. Right in the Patriot Act. All, all all these bills, basically, none of the individuals that are supposed to, when they take the oath to uh, to defend our country basically is to make sure that what they're signing on to is something that is good for the people of America. You're absolutely that, right. That, and like I, that, and so
3: that bill specifically, that omnibus bill, was written, there were sections of it literally written by banks who have a financial interest in whatever the law is. And by the way, that's illegal. Now, there are ways to get around that, that people will... will um, you know there are ways that people will say that they're getting around that but but, in my opinion, you can the fact that we have gone so far to allow lobbyists and private interests to actually write the legislation is obscene it's not it's it violates the constitution it doesn't protect anybody uh it doesn't protect your right it doesn't protect you from being charged. Thirty percent by your bank or by having all of these fees.
1: Right, but this, this is the point that I was trying to make. This is how, and I think most mo, most people may not know this, but I, I'm quite sure you know this. The, the fact that the, these big lobbyists, big business, they basically don't do not have to have everyone under their in the pocket. Basically, what how they focus is going toward. Uh, Leaning on the political uh, on the leadership, the Boehners, the the O'Connells, the Reeves. Yeah. Basically, they, they actually control the rest by what, yeah. how. Well, if you don't vote for this bill, we're going to take away, and we're not going to help you in the campaign. We're going to take you away from that committee. Isn't that the way? Yes. Very it's good done point. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes, and so uh, you bring up a good point in that in that article that I linked to from the Washington Post. Guess who got the most money for making sure the bill passed last December? Out of everybody in Congress, in the Senate and the House, guess who got the most money to make sure the bill got through?
1: I, I would, uh, I would that? guess. that? I would guess that it would be uh, uh, o- uh, McConnell.
3: Uh, well, close, but no, John Boehner.
1: So, oh, John
3: House. Boehner, yeah, well, in the House, correct. Yeah, in the House, how, well, no, out of all, out of all, 535 members of Congress, okay. the House Speaker, John Boehner, got the most money for making sure that the $1.1 trillion omnibus bill was passed. And on average, I'm looking this up now, this is where they got their money from, three on average. Members of Congress who voted yes received $322,000 from the finance, insurance, and real estate industry PACs, and employees of firms in those industries, the people who voted no, they still got approximately $162,000. And so the Washington Post does a graph of the colors, and it shows that of all of the people who received all of the money, now that's average, by the way, $322,000 per vote, that's average. John Boehner got a lot more than that. I'm going to tell you what Citigroup wrote in the bill. And this is what people need to understand because with the coming financial crash in the next month, this is what Citigroup wrote into the bill last December. They wrote into the bill that uh, if there are any losses, uh, that this is what they wrote, uh, taxpayers will have to foot the bill, and I'm quoting,
4: $303
3: trillion, in gr- trillion people, $303 trillion in gross notional derivatives as a result of siloing swaps and their associated risks in FDI insured operating companies, which means, like in 2008, taxpayers are responsible for bailing out financial institutions for the losses they incur from the bad choices they make and from bad contracts. So nobody who loses their job who's making $10, 15 $20 an hour, doesn't matter. No American who's working two to three jobs to put food on their plate for their families who don't have health insurance, they're not getting bailed out. But Citibank is, because Citibank wrote the bill, for or Citigroup, so that we would be paying for their bad choices when they're swallowing swaps for $303 trillion dollars. And this is my problem with Congress, because it's both Republicans and it's both Democrats. There is no difference right now between the two parties. You have Republicans and Democrats voting for and against amnesty. You have Republicans and Democrats voting for and against Iran. You have them voting for and against uh, whatever a crime bill is. You have them voting for and against the budget and what, The the whole nonsense with Iran is about is that when this $1.1 trillion on the spending bill went through last December, they already allocated $70 billion to the State Department, of which 12 was specifically allocated to go to Iran, between the State Department directly to Iran. So when you hear Congress bickering about all of these issues, it's a complete distraction they already voted to send the money to Iran. They already voted to cut spending on whatever it is, Medicare. They already did that when they extended the omnibus omnibus bill last December. And when there's the next financial crash, they already in the law voted to bail out the financial institutions at the cost once again, of the taxpayer, the majority of whom are in the middle to lower income tax bracket. This makes my blood well, boil. It's not well, fair.
1: I'm I, 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 definitely, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that, but I think there's going to be a different way of bailing out the banks in the future. I may, have, I may disagree with you on this. If you remember the situation in Cyprus about a year ago, a year and a half ago, where basically the IMF came in there, the International Monetary Fund, and, and the World Bank, and they said to Cyprus, a little tiny island, well, you know what, you guys want to be uh, bailed out. What you have to do now is you got to, all the depositors in your banks.
3: Oh, right, get yep. 20,
1: they get yeah. They got 20%. That's going to be the new way because people are not really, have not, do not have the tolerance to take, uh, and, and the politicians and the governments know that. So they're not going to go in that direction. They're going to go, well, you know what, we're going to bail you out, but we're, we're, you, we need you to take money away from the depositors in all your banks. That's the new way of uh, 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 that's going to be uh, how governments and banks are going to be bailed out.
3: But, Ruben, don't you remember what happened? Yes. All the people rushed to the bank, and they took their money out of their accounts. Because it's not the people's fault that the the corporate people did something wrong. Why Mm -hmm. should your grandmother or your mother lose all of her savings and her money in her bank account because a corporate guy who's making millions of dollars made bad decisions? That's not fair. My grandmother doesn't deserve to have her savings taken out of her bank account. Your mother doesn't deserve to have her money taken out. Right. But yet yeah. the Citigroup yeah. people who are making billions of dollars, they think they can steal yeah. from little old ladies. You know, it's just insane. And the people in Cyprus are still suffering, and the people right. in Greece are still suffering. Mm-hmm. They're not. There, nobody has come up with a solution. And I say, if you keep making bad decisions, then you go out of business just like anybody else. Why does the government have to bail out these banks? And they should go to jail because they know what they're doing is fraud. Not to mention just losing their jobs. They should be going to jail yes. just like Bernie Madoff. And this is a problem. Yes, and, why is and, it and ben, why do we have minorities yes. who steal something from a supermarket in jail for however many right. years? Yet we have bankers on Wall Street who are stealing money from my mother and grandmother and they get right, to go to right, the right, they right. get to go to the Hansons every weekend. Right. And and I want They're to not come in jail here for a minute. I want to cut in there for one
0: second. Um, At the beginning of the broadcast, um, uh, uh, you heard us talking about tipping point contests. Um, And, you know, and and Bethany, uh, you guys were just talking about solutions. Um, And in the essay contest, it actually is going to put the students to work a little bit um, to see if they can come up with a solution to some of this. You know, and and I want to once again mention that contest. It's on our website, studentsforbetterfuture.com. Uh, you will see it up there um, because we want the students, we want to hear from them because they're the next generation. And, you, you know, and Ruben, you, you had mentioned this too, um, you know, especially student, you know, you guys were all talking about the bankers and all that, uh, you know, Nowadays, okay, you, you, you're student, you graduate at the age of 25, you have a, a, a humongous student loan to pay off, um, you know, and um, for students starting out, uh, the cost is just humongous. You know, their college debt, and um, let's say if they decide to get married and buy a house, you know, how are they going to afford this, you know, and um, and Ruben, I know you and I have talked about this too, you know, um, oh. about the future. You know, how is and you have a son. He graduated, right? Did he graduated, no, no, he, or he's still in college? No, he
1: he's 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 a he he just started his uh, junior year.
0: How, okay. So. Uh, okay. So how was he able to to pay off his loans if he took them out and and then you know. Of course, he's got to get a job, but you know, I well, mean, I mean if he buys a house. His lo- you know,
1: his loan, his loan has been the the Ruben Torres Bank. <laughs> Good
3: old dad, the Bank of Dad. Yeah, right, he, he, right. I love it.
1: So he's a very blessed. I, wasn't blessed. Yeah. I, 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 I was blessed. Yes, I'm still paying for uh, a lot of my loans, but he is blessed because he. He'll graduate with no loan- no, no money owed.
3: Yes, and that is a tribute to uh, okay. a great so, dad. So Ruben, you're, you're fir,
0: your first Fidelity. We'll call you First yes. Fidelity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> but a lot of kids are not in that position,
3: and it, and it takes a lot of stress on the parent too to pay that tuition. You know. It <laughs> does. Well, I think he there does. are new options now where you can go to a community college or to a different type of school to get your um, major like your required courses out of the way and then you can apply to other colleges to get to, to focus on your major so there are creative ways to do that but I think what's really cool about the tipping point essay is that it focuses on the strength of writing and the I've always enjoyed writing and I edit other people's writing and I can tell you that Most adults are terrible writers, and a lot of people will say that they have an opinion about something, but they can't actually back it up with uh, supporting arguments. And so I think learning to write well is probably one of the greatest skills that people can have, because if you can write well and organize your points, then you're able to speak well, and and you can articulate ideas. Um, to focus on uh, major points and the solution, as opposed to, well, this is my opinion. Well, my opinion can be that a stop sign isn't, a, isn't red and it's a purple triangle, but I, my opinion is meaningless. I need to be able to prove why the stop sign isn't red, and so I think learning and being able to write and participate in essay contests like that is a really great opportunity. And I would encourage anybody applying. For that, to consider looking into what is the Federal Reserve, why do we have the Federal Reserve, and who are all of the presidents and people in Congress who tried to get rid of the Federal Reserve, who were all killed or mysteriously disappeared? And I think if we were able true. to, yes, yes, I think if we, yeah, it's not a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It's actually true so if you uh if you look into what is a reserve concept of banking versus how we used to have the gold standard prior to Nixon it would be it might be a huge learning opportunity for for young people to understand what is wrong with our economy and no matter how bad the people in congress are and how corrupt they are and regardless if it was a $1 trillion omnibus spending bill or a $1 omnibus spending bill, it's still a spending bill. It's not a budget. And how do you apply a budget in your own life? If you are working uh, and you're working at a minimum wage job or you're babysitting or you're doing some kind of part-time work and you figure out your income, maybe you can work with your parents or a family member, or a mentor, or a counselor, or someone to figure out, okay, this is my part-time work. I'm going to make X amount each month, and these are my costs to figure out a budget. Well, why don't we have a government doing that when we have to do it ourselves? In order for mom and dad or aunts or grandparents to put food on the table, how do they do that? They have to have a budget. Well, why doesn't our government have a budget? And where did that concept of not having a budget come from? And so I think just for writing essays, think about it in a practical sense of how does this apply to me in my daily life? Or even if you're trading baseball cards or Game Boys or, you know, video games and your video game is $60 a game, or you want to go to the movies and think about a movie being... $15 $15 versus $75, uh, how would all of this – how would your life be affected if if you didn't have the Bank of Reuben paying for you to, to go to school or you didn't have mom and dad giving you allowance or spending money or gas money? Uh, but think about, you know, if you're working, how much money do you have coming in that provides a budget? And spending and deficit, and then hey, why do we have people in government who aren't doing that? I have to do that. Mom and dad and grandma have to do that. How come I? How come government isn't doing that? And that's our money. Yeah. Correct.
1: Well, I I I think that was what, and, uh, it was expert. Um, the way you said it was brilliant. Uh, I I like that. I like your 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 personality. you you know you're very very sharp and uh, really. Uh, but I wanna I wanna ask you a question. In in regards to again the whole political scenario in Washington, where does an individual like Ted Cruz what is he where do you see him uh in in, in, in the election in the in, in the whole primary uh and in in his future?
3: Um, well for full disclosure I've met him and more than once and I have some very close friends who are Cuban-Americans, and yep. I have a very special soft spot in my heart for Ted Cruz. Uh, he is the only person in Congress I know who has memorized the entire Constitution. He is—he uh, has advocated before the Supreme Court on several occasions. He is one of the sharpest minds uh, mm-hmm. of anyone I've met. I think he has a incredible he has an incredible grassroots network of young people. He I'm 40. He's only a couple years older than I am. He has young children. Another person I've met who is Bobby Jindal, who in my my opinion, he, maybe he will be a really good cabinet. Uh, position like he held a cabinet position, I believe, under Bush. But there are people like Cruz and Jendel who I really admire, who are my age or a couple years—forty-two, forty-three. They have young children, and their concern is not as a politician but as a father. And they have both said to me at different times, "You know, I'm a dad. I have little kids. I have to screen what they watch on TV, or or I have to make. Sh- I am worried about." Who's coming in and taking care of my kids at home and usually it's the grandparents or somebody in their family, but you know their primary their primary thinking is as a as a young father raising young kids, and that spoke a lot to me because they're both uh they both come from immigrant parents they both come from hard working uh families they both come from uh underprivileged backgrounds. And they both value, uh, they both value all of the things that make America great. But you have to have, a, you have to set a line in terms of the rule of law. And I think one of the things I admire about Ted Cruz is he does things because he he respects the Constitution to the point where if somebody is going to break it, then I'm I'm going to stand up for it no matter what. Uh, people say, and what most people don't know outside of Texas is that Ted Cruz had to overcome numerous elections just to become a candidate in the Senate. He fought against establishment Republicans in Dallas, against an attorney general there or mayor. He fought against establishment Republicans under Bush and Perry, and he's still fighting against establishment Republicans like McConnell. Uh, and, and so you have you have all of these different things going on. And yet he is steadily rallying the troops on a grassroots level and people believe in, believe in what he's saying because they can see that he believes it. And I would like to Uh, know for Mitch McConnell and anybody else, have they even read the constitution, let alone memorized it?
0: Right. Bethany. um, Okay. We do have callers on the line. Uh, If anybody would like to ask a question, now's the time. Um, and again the calling number is 646-915-8117 that's 646-915-8117 <coughs> um and folks in just a few minutes um uh, we, uh and actually we have to wrap this segment up um uh and and we're going to go to a little bit of a break and um in a few minutes we're going to be bringing on a guest um his name is Ruben Navarro uh he's a CNN political analyst uh and he's gonna be giving his take on um different issues as well 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 um, uh
1: he, let me correct that uh and he corrected us uh he's he's now with Tom hall he's also been on okay. Fox news c n b c he used to be with okay. uh uh c n n but he he's a major uh uh hispanic uh political analyst uh and, and I've interviewed him before, and uh, he's a great guy and uh, very knowledgeable, and, and uh, we look forward to uh, having him yes. on, on, the, on our program.
3: Uh, okay, uh, Bethany, do you have a website? Yeah, it's my full name, Bethany dot com, and my Twitter is my is it's uh, my full name again, Bethany Blankley, Beth A N Y Blank L E Y. And uh, also, I just want to ask you one thing. Um, You mentioned you were writing
0: a book, right?
3: Yeah, uh, several. It's been a long process. The book I'm writing, we're finishing up right now, is What Every Christian Needs to Know About Islam. And another book has to do with um, uh, political insights from having worked on Capitol Hill and during impeachment Um, proceedings. Okay, um, Bethany, I'd like to
0: thank you for joining us on the radio tonight. It was a pleasure having you. Thank we you,
1: you, you Thomas. We
0: want you back. Um, thank right? you. Want you back? We <laughs> do. All right. All uh-huh. right. Well, thank you. Yeah. And it was excellent. I mean, I had there's, there's uh, so, so much. Thank so you, much. And, um, well,
3: students. Students, well, sign so much up. Yeah. Do that contest. There,
2: there's so much yes, that we haven't covered, and we definitely have. To.
3: All right, well I look Ted forward Ruben. to being back on and and look up the tipping point essay because your opinions matter and learning well, how to articulate them is really is um can be really fun. Fantastic.
0: Yes. Um and thank you very much, Bethany.
3: Thank you. Um, Thanks folks, so much for having me. We're
0: going to go to about a four minute break. Uh hang on the line with us, um, and we're gonna be right back with our uh next guest. Um so hang on the line with us. You can enjoy listening to the blue game. And, folks, I'd like to welcome you back to the second half of our show. Um, and, uh, Ruben, can you hear me? Yes, I'm
1: um, here.
0: Uh, yeah, what a great first half. Uh, and I'm sure it went, we'll have it a went, great it second went, well, half as well. Yeah.
1: It went, it went by so fast. It went by so fast.
0: Uh, definitely we're going to have her back. And, folks, uh, we're going into our second half. Um, and we're going to be mixing up a little bit. Um, one of the things, of course, we're going to be talking about is immigration um, and, uh, you know, and also health care and, and um, other main issues. And um, is our guest on the line, Ruben?
1: Hello. Yes, I'm, I'm on. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Ruben. Hi, Ruben. Welcome back. Yes, to be welcome to
0: our show, Ruben. Um, great to have you. Can you give yes. me a little bit of background how many, how about many ribbons
1: you? Do you have, how many ribbons do you have on this call? This is pretty uh, uh, – I've got a full, I have, a full I load. Too,
0: i got call you, to call you Ruben 1 and Ruben 2, right?
1: <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um,
0: but anyhow, M- Mister, can you M- give
1: M- me a M- little M- – Mr. Navarrete is Ruben 1. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: T- tell us about what you do and, and everything cause I'm fascinated well, so I'm, by it.
1: Okay, so I'm primarily a writer and speaker. I've been writing about politics and immigration and other issues for 25 years. I I write a nationally syndicated column for the Washington Post Writers Group in about 150 newspapers around the country. I've been at that for 14 years. I also uh write a column um a columnist for the Daily Beast. So my bosses are in um uh, both in, in paper products and in uh online. And in New York and Washington. I live in San Diego, California, I'm right from here. I also host radio shows and give speeches around the country.
0: Wow! An, an, another he, great he, bio. We got to hire two people, he, people tonight, Ruben. He 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 is
1: he he he's amazing. I, I read all his articles. Oh, I appreciate. It. Oh, I appreciate okay.
0: Uh, can can you um, also? Uh, I, I was also uh, looking into some of your stuff, and um, I want to ask you uh your um i, I guess your uh not, not opinion your expertise on immigration right now the current okay. status if you can tell me cuz i i noticed uh did you have a tiff with Lou Dobbs or or do you and him just disagree but if you can tell us where you stand on that
1: on immigration uh policy as a whole
0: yes
1: yeah so i think a lot of what we bring to our you know, a lot of we would bring to this in terms of analyzing various issues, no matter what the issue is, our own personal experience, it should really be led by as much from our heart as from our head. And so I bring to the immigration issue the fact that I'm the grandson of a Mexican immigrant who came to this country during the time of the Mexican Revolution with 600,000 other people who came from Mexico to the U.S. from 1910 to 1920. Uh, they all came legally because there was no way to come illegally until 1924. So everybody came legally and my grandfather included. Three of my four grandparents were born in Texas, uh, and they were U.S. citizens, obviously, at birth. And my dad was um, a policeman. For 37 years, he was a cop. I was raised the son of a cop. So when you put those two things together, it leads me to think that really legal immigration is the best thing about the United States, that without legal immigrants and a constant, I would say, even increasing flow of legal immigrants from around the world, you might as well just close up shop and, and reopen the country as Sweden or Denmark, uh, and it would not be as vibrant uh, and as productive a country as it, as it is. So we owe everything to legal immigration. So we, that's the first thing. The second thing, though, because I was raised the son of a cop, I believe in law and order and rules, and I believe in people taking responsibility for their actions. So when people come to the country illegally and break the rules, and then they come here and break the rules again by using um, fraudulent um ID cards to get jobs and all those things, there ought to be some accounting for that, whether it's uh, whether it's a fine or whether it's having to go to the back of the line before you're processed or whether it's a penalty or if it's deportation or whatever it is, there has to be some accounting for that. So I get frustrated by the right-wingers who are clearly driven by an ugly racism and nativism and a, a desire in many cases to move the country back uh, to a time when there were not so many Hispanics here. But I also get frustrated by folks on the left who just sort of shrug off the fact that laws were broken and rules were broken and infractions were made and uh, nobody's talking to anybody. Nobody's listening to anybody. They're all just shouting at each other. So
2: right. you're, you're more or less
0: like an independent point of view.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I no longer have much use for either political party. You know, at this point I, I really hate them both. Uh, I, I don't see that either the Republicans or the Democrats are the Salvation of the immigration debate, or the Latino community as a whole, and um, there have been times where I will vote for Republicans. There are times where I'll vote for Democrats, and I live in California where I'm able to vote for a, uh, a Democrat governor and a, you know, say a lieutenant governor who's a Republican or a Attorney General go down ballot and just sort of mix it all together. I'm a cafeteria voter, uh, so I don't I don't have problems with individual lawmakers. I occasionally come across some good lawmakers. But by and large, the political parties just seem to me like Visa and Mastercard, Coke and Pepsi. They seem very, very similar. Well, by
0: and uh, large, uh, hold on, Ruben. I'll get one question and then I'll let you go. Um, yeah. I-, I have. I, I agree that uh, you know. Um, you know, I am for legal immigration. Um, I- I'm right. not for. I have a harder time with the illegal immigration, and that's right. where the problem comes to be because. I know that it drains the uh, systems here, the health care and the education and, and whatnot, you know, bec- because, right. to, because my ancestors came here legally, you know, and right. we came to Ellis Island. We followed the rule of law, like what you just right. mentioned. You know, it's just that you ha- have these others For example, um, sometimes they come across and then they have a baby here, you know, and then the baby is part of the American, um, is an American citizen, but the parents aren't. And that's another thing. You know, and what what do you do in a case like that?
1: Well, in a case like that, you read the 14th Amendment, and it says right there in black and white, you know, the, the original construction of the 14th Amendment, anyone, all persons born in the United States, are U.S. citizens. And so from that point on, it gets interesting watching the debate because you have Republicans and conservatives who typically have argued for a strict constructionist view. They don't like activist judges. They they want the Constitution as written. Don't amend it. Word for word, follow it. And that's great. Uh, But then the 14th Amendment comes along, and suddenly they've they've shifted that view, and they have a, a very activist viewing of the 14th Amendment. Um, so I'm confused because 10 minutes ago when we were talking about another issue. They were confirming a Supreme Court justice. All the Republicans and conservatives were saying, to construction, the way it's written, don't amend it. Sounds good. Uh, if, you, if you apply that rule the 14th Amendment, it's pretty cut and dry. Those words say what they say. Independent of why it seemed to be. Independent of the fact that this was a, an amendment that was put there to give citizenship to freed slaves and to correct the the historical injustice of the Dred Scott decision. Independent of how it got there, it doesn't matter. Once it's there, uh, then you know it, it means what it means, and that's why people who are born here, the children of illegal immigrants, continue to be U.S. citizens. Well, uh, uh, uh Ruben, I, I we had we uh, I interviewed you a couple years ago. One one of the things that I have that really bothers me, uh, especially from the left, and also from the right. I'm 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 on the same boat because I don't consider myself a right winger. Uh uh but my family came here, they had to wait five years and right. they had to pay three thousand dollars
2: to
1: get here and that was in the in, in, the, in, in the in the in the sixties. Right. And you know, when people tell me, Well, you know, um uh, we should allow <laughs> all these people, not just from Mexico, because you know one of one of the one of the uh, one of the lies that the media portrays out there that all immigrants, illegal immigrants, are from Mexico and Central America. Right. We have from India, we have from China, from Russia. You go to Little China, you go to Chinatown in New York right. City, you'll find a lot of you go to uh, you go to downtown. Just, a, uh, just a of the overwhelming majority, yeah, the overwhelming majority yeah. are from Mexico. That's where we get that. Right? Right, but, but you know when when it comes, to, I'm I'm against total illegal immigration from any country, any right. country. So when 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 they talk about it, but the media always portrays the mainstream media always portrays that illegal immigration is just from this part of the uh, 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 from this part of the region. My problem but with it's, not just, it's, it's true that it's true you say about the media portrays that way. It's, it's also true that other people portray it that way too because I. I'm interested in the fact that Mexican-Americans born in this country, when they hear about the immigration debate, they don't think of, of the Republicans who are gathering up on stage tomorrow night to have a debate as bashing people from India or Ireland or Russia. They see it very personally about it go- them going after Mexicans. So right. yeah, the media sees illegal immigrant as synonymous with Mexicans, but here's my point. They're not the only ones. Mexican-Americans, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Vegetarian, they all see it that way right but this is this is the problem where i have cuz i i have mexican friends and and the problem is that what i try to explain to them is that they're, the the mainstream media knows and and knows how to take advantage of the emotional part that you know by portraying and saying, well you know uh when donald trump said about illegal immigration they 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 forgot to mention illegal immigration they always mention anti immigrant um animosity or uh, resentment or or uh, attack against and uh, against immigrants. It's not immigrants, it's illegal immigrants. They forget to mention that and that creates a okay, very well, uh, personal personal uh hurt when when I get when I get, I, I, get I get I get that but again I get that but they also if you're blending together the terms you... Hello?
2: Uh,
0: hold on. do um, we use okay. them?
1: There's not just
2: one thing oh, no. that does that. Uh, also, yeah,
1: the should... uh, there's a, a blending together of those things. One example, Scott Walker, the governor from Wisconsin, uh, who's mm-hmm. one of the people running for president, he blended right. together the idea of legal and illegal immigration. What well, rails against illegal immigration, the solution is to deal with all immigration, including the legal kind. So, the you know, Donald Trump's credit, let me give Donald Trump some credit here. Whereas a lot of other politicians have, are really careless in mixing the two together. He from the very beginning has separated legal from illegal. Uh, what I'm here to tell you is it's not just the media that blends the two together. A lot of people blend the two together. There are groups in Washington, like the Center for Immigration Studies and Fair, uh Federation of America, for American Immigration Reform that link the two together because they want to do away with all immigration, including the legal crime. So I'm all for
0: sure, as
1: Probably for what I do wrong, but I
0: didn't put the fault in everybody's head and the words in everybody's mouth. Yes, and hold on, I want to uh, interject here um, because I am getting texts, um, and one of them says he's from my friend Warren. He says legal immigration may be good, but right now we have too many immigrants here now, and we need to to um, to not accept so many because right. uh, because of the job situation. And, uh, in other words, he's saying more it's, of an, it's more of an economic thing. So what do you do in that Warren, case? Do you close but the border?
1: Warren is, saying, Go ahead. But Warren is well, God bless God bless Warren, first of all, because I could talk until I'm blue in the face, but until you get a text from or somebody out there who's reading it, this, this really exhibits, this illustrates what I'm talking about. In Warren's mind, what he's saying is that he's all for legal immigration, but because of the job situation, he would entertain an idea of holding a moratorium on legal immigration and stopping or reducing the flow of legal immigrants so that some of those jobs could go to U.S. citizens. And I'm against that. I think any thinking person should be against that. These people in India and China and Pakistan, whatever, who are coming here legally, like, like what we were talking about before, when our family members came here legally, well, they played by the rules. And for us, to certainly change the rules. Just because we want our kid to have some job at IBM and we're afraid that a smarter, harder-working system is going to take it from him, that's BS. It shouldn't work that way. Right. Right, no, no, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm, with, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, I think uh, you, you should you should allow the you know qualified, skillful uh, uh, new immigrants to come in. Now, if, if you look at the Constitution, and I've read the Constitution, uh, uh, and I've looked at the Constitution, uh, uh, the Mexican Constitution, and other constitutions, very, very strict, very strict on foreigners when they come to their country. Yeah. They're basically, you You cannot be out there protesting like they do here. You cannot yeah. be out there, if you are caught in Mexico basically uh, helping an illegal immigrant, you go to prison. You're yeah. basically, you're restricted. So I, I'm, I'm for, I, and I think the Mexican government and other governments are doing the right thing to protecting their voters. Well, and I disagree. I, I mean,
0: very lenient compared to other countries.
1: You know? well, right, here's what we do. Here's our thing. we take in a million people a year uh, in, with visas and um, green cards and like, a million people a year. And then that includes the lottery, the little random lottery where we choose people to come in. Um, a million sounds like a big number. And so you think about the fact that we have 330 million people in this country, 330 million. If I increase the number of green cards, from one million to three million, that will still be less than one percent of the entire population of the U.S. Now there are people who freak out about that because they want to take their million and bring it down to a hundred thousand a year. But it is not my job to protect American workers from having to compete. God forbid that they should have to compete, lower themselves, and have to compete uh, for that job at IBM with that person who came legally, again legally, from India or Pakistan or China. We tell these people to come legally. They play by the rules. We decide they're too smart. They work too hard. uh uh-huh, i got to get them out of here. That's not fair. That doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. And it is insulting to think that Americans want a special accommodation. Please, government, please protect me from having me to compete with that guy from India because he's going to kick my ass. Study harder, man. Work harder. Get up early. Well, Stay late. well Ruben, Ruben, let me put it this way. I've competed... I've been in the IT industry for 20 years. I've competed with them. The problem is not that. The problem is that the U.S. right now has an $18 trillion deficit. Okay, It has a stagnated economy that is not growing by no means by at all. I mean, the GDP growth is less than 2%. We are not a country that is on the gro- or growing. We're a country that is under decline. We cannot we're not, we're allow we're not on the decline because of immigrants in california for example I, I i didn't say we're on the decline because of immigrants i'm saying we're on the decline because we have mismanaged our economy every president every congress from republicans and democrats have really created the horrible situation that's waiting for future generations e- economically because right now china controls our destiny okay most people most immigrants that come here may not know that. Even the ones that are native may not know that, that we are in trouble. We are an, an, we can, we can agree that we're a, we're, We can agree that we're in trouble, but we're having a disagreement over how we got into trouble. And I think there's a there's a line of thought that says we got into trouble because we created a huge welfare state that allows people to come here right. and can't bring in more people here right. like because they're going to – well, here's why I think we got into trouble. In California, where I live, we're in trouble not because we have the most number of illegal immigrants, we're in trouble because we have the greatest number of public employee unions, and our teachers, right. cops, firemen, and public employee unions have worked out great contracts for themselves because the Democrats control legislature. Democrats run everything in the state of California. We're a dark blue state, just like in New York, just like in New York. Right. And so,
2: right. so the
1: victor goes with spoils, they've created these very lucrative contracts for themselves. We're going broke in California, not because of immigrants, but because of teachers, doctors, their teachers, cops, firemen, and public sanitation workers. Nobody will say right. that. Well, basically, California right. also has has crumbled because of the high income has actually pushed a lot of companies to other parts of the nation. Well, because it's very difficult here in a very anti-business climate here in California, it's true. But the point is, in California, we have, for instance, the agriculture industry in California brings in $45 billion a year. It would go broke without illegal immigrant labor. California, like it or not, is dependent on illegal immigrant labor. We could talk about how illegal immigrants use schools and hospitals and jails, sure. But they also work for companies, and those companies pay taxes, and they keep the state Um,
0: afloat. Ruben, uh, hold on. I want to ask you one thing. Um, uh, Now, what do we do um, because the illegals are – the undocumented is already here. Right. Okay, what do we do about that? Well,
1: once they're, they're, they're already here... here. Yeah. Well, so once the they're already here, it doesn't do any good for politicians, radio talk shows, you know, people on cable television to use, to use the word amnesty to describe what's on the table. What's on the table now is not amnesty. Uh, in 1986, there was an amnesty where people didn't have to do anything, make any sort of amends or acknowledge they did anything wrong, and they just got a card in the mail that said, Congratulations, uh, you have legal status, all this right. And that's not what we're talking about now. I, I don't support an amnesty, and nobody's talking about an amnesty. There should be some sort of pathway, earned, legal status for some, not all, but some number of 11 million. If you've been here the longest, if you're some grandfather who's been here and you have a whole set of family related to you and they're all webbed into you and you've been here and you pay taxes into this country, sales, property, at some degree even income taxes, into this country, uh, then there should be a mechanism where you can become legal and do simple things like drive a car, you know, on a highway you help pay for, for your tax dollars. Uh, but if you came last night, you know, the rule doesn't apply to you. There should be earned legal status with penalties and fines, fines for some number of the $11 million who are here. Ruben, okay,
0: Ruben one Ruben, of the Ruben, other things – uh, hold on, then I'll let you go, Ruben. Is our um, listeners, um, you know, asked me, you know, especially about this immigration um you know, it's the fact that we we have to tighten our security our borders because of security, you know, and right. and all the drugs and and the uh, terrorists and whoever want to come across, and that's just right. one common theme that's all that's been across. And right. um, they complain about the sanctuary cities that we have here. Right. You know.
1: So, so there's two different issues there. One is about border security. And the other is about sanctuary cities. On well, the border security idea. Yeah. I'm all for securing the border, but here's how I think you secure the border. You take everybody, all the members of Congress, all 4, 535 members of Congress, you take the president, all the cabinet members, and every talk talk service in America, you take them down to the border. And then when you go down to the border, you tell them, now shut the hell up. Nobody speaks. Nobody gives the, like, their opinion. What you do is you ask the people who are there, the border patrolmen with badges and guns and green shirts, how do you control this border? What do you need from us to secure this border? When I have done this exercise, it's very difficult for- federal government, especially this administration, is not letting them do their job. Because yeah. they believe they believe they want illegals more illegals to come here. They they have been constrained and restrained from doing their job. And that's yeah. what I from that discussion. And, now, and another well, point for those people, people well we the first thing. People who say that I'm to get back to the myth of sanctuary cities in a second, but because that does not exist. There is no sanctuary city in America. There is no city in America whereby, within the city limits, federal law doesn't apply, uh, whereby, when illegal immigrants go to that city, as long as they're in the city limits, federal law doesn't apply. They can't be picked up or deported by ICE. Uh, the, people are deported in San Francisco and other sanctuary cities every single day in America, all over America. So uh, I think that it's a liberal myth perpetuated by liberals who like to think they have more power than they do, but they really don't. They make these Mm. symbolic declarations of a sanctuary city, and the government ignores it. To your point about the federal government isn't letting these people do their job, they've done their job so effectively that in six and a half years, almost seven years, they've deported over two million people. Two million people. uh, A new record. And so they apprehend people at the border, they apprehend people in the interior, they apprehend apprehend old ladies selling tamale outside a a Walmart or something. They, They apprehend people all over the place. Uh, so yeah, they, but not, I, they, have a, they have a quota in place. It's like, yet somehow I, they're not doing their job. They're doing their job just swell I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't buy any numbers, any statistics coming out of out of the Department of Justice and this administration. I do not. They lie constantly. Okay. okay. So I mean, that's that, that, that's fine. That's your prerogative. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that. From I, I've spoken to many, many, many immigration attorneys as well. And they tell me that they are—they're full. they have something in, in New York, in New York City, called the Rocket Docket, where they are—they uh, bring in so many people through deportation mm-hmm. hearings that they're just sort of greenlit all the way through the Rocket Docket. Uh, people who are in the system, who work to to stop deportations, and the people who are actually deporting people, all say they're working twenty-four-seven. Okay, I, I, I'm going to give you Ruben. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you uh, uh, quite a few cases. I mean, the, the, the gentleman that killed. Katie, Katie Stanley, Stanley. And, and, and Stanley. Right. in in yeah. San Francisco, five times has uh, was deported and came back. Deported and came back. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, they were all. If you look at any of those five cases where he was deported, they were all the reason he was deported and, and came back is because he. There were always minor offenses. It was it was it was, uh, it was for drunk driving. These were not violent crimes. Had he been convicted of a violent crime beforehand, he probably should have been sent to prison and not deported back so he could come back again. It's true right. that pe- people go and they come back. Before we got into our mind that the way you deal with really hard criminals is you deport them. And that's, that's dumb. And why do you deport people? They're going to come back again, and they're going to go into another city in America and inflict more damage. So but my that's, that's the problem is what if you should be locking them up in federal prison. You shouldn't be uh, right. deporting them uh, to begin with. But in the, in the Stanley case, you've had people come forward from ICE bringing the local sheriff and sheriff blaming ICE. My understanding of that case is that ICE did not put a hold on him or issue a warrant for Francisco Sanchez. ICE had the ability to do that. They merely sort of put in a request or a retainer notice that he'd be held on to and that they'd be alerted when he was let go. And when the sheriff let them go let him go without alerting ICE and all went bad, then both of them are pointing their finger at each other. And I think ICE got off the blocks first, and they start blaming the locals. But I'm very sympathetic to the locals in this case. I think that if ICE really wanted that person, they would have gotten him. So never believe a cop, and, that, again, the son of a cop, listen to me, never believe a cop who says that somebody upstairs is preventing him from doing his job. He himself has decided not to do his job, and he's blaming the person upstairs. Yeah, but right. I, I, I have to tell you, look, I'm sorry, uh, Doreen. Let me just finish. Go when, ahead. when, when, some, when someone, when you, you mentioned that the, the laws that he broke were not major, he broke the biggest law coming into this country illegally. That's yeah. that, that alone. That alone should be enough. Yeah, but you know, when you away. Away, you, know, you, know, you know, that that infraction of coming across the country illegally, he's breaking a law, but it's a civil law. It's not a criminal law. So when he comes across, he's deported. And he's not put in jail. When he came back the second time, he became a felon. Had he been apprehended, he should have been put in jail. But there are all these sentencing, you know, decisions that are made in the criminal justice system every single day. It's kind of a it's kind of a cheap way of explaining that if you watch Law and Order, okay, it's more it's more truth than fiction in Law and Order. And you watch Law and Order, and you see the deals that have to be made. The sausage gets made in this ugly, unfortunate way. Sometimes they're making deals with bad guys. Sometimes they are deciding not to prosecute bad guys. They don't have the resources. And I'm sympathetic to prosecutors and cops who say, gee, it's easy for Bill O'Reilly to go on television and say, because back in this country, millions of people should get those five years in prison. Where are we going to put all these people? Where are the prisons to put all these people? That's not our job because I'm in the media. I get to say things like that. It's prosecutors and judges and cops that have to figure it out. Let me, let me give you some statistics, uh, Ruben. That's true, but go ahead. In, in, Los, in Los Angeles, 95% of some 1,500 outstanding warrants for homicides are for illegal aliens. Right. About 67% of the 17,000 outstanding fugitive felony warrants right. are for illegal aliens. Now, right. these individuals should not be here at all. They can, well, why are they here? Because we have a federal government that is not basically allowing the border patrol to do their job. Okay, so let me give you, let me give you a multiple choice question. Here's the test: Why are these people here illegally? They shouldn't be here, so why are they here? A. Uh, they're not here because the federal government isn't allowing the border patrol to do its job. Two. They're, they're not. They're here when they shouldn't be because we have sanctuary cities. Three. They're here because we give everybody who comes across the border a free ice cream cone. Four. Here's the here's the winning answer. Because we give them jobs, because we hire them, because they all have jobs. Even Francisco Sanchez, who killed Keith Stanley, said he went to San Francisco to look for a job. Okay? Right. Find a job, he went for a job. We live in denial in this country. We have this incredibly heated, dishonest debate where we think the reason Los Angeles is full of illegal immigrants is because they all want to live by the ocean. That's it. They all want to live by the ocean. You know where they don't have illegal immigrants? Go to Montana. Go to northern South Dakota. Go to West Virginia. There, believe it or not, are states in this country where you do not have illegal immigrants. You know why? Because there are no jobs. Right, right. And and that's one of the biggest complaints
0: we we get here. Yeah.
1: The And I tell people all the time: only you, smoking can prevent illegal immigration. Okay. You're tired of illegal immigration. You're tired of the fact that 15% of the salaries are always kind of great. That's good. Stop hiring these people to be your waiter to to make your hotel bed to, to serve your food and cook your food. You can go to a Chinese restaurant, the guy making a sushi bar is Latino picking your sushi, right? This is California, right. this is Arizona, this is, right. and, and, this is the real world. And and
0: yes, and both parties are, are guilty of this. Both parties
1: are guilty the Republican Party wants to have that labor this year, the Republican, the Democrat party wants to have the cheap votes in the Latinos will come forward, they we'll bash the Republicans, come vote for me, I'm a Democrat, I'm not a Republican. Uh, this is the way the, the game works, but I can just fall off the truck. The reason we have illegal immigrants in this country is because we have U.S. citizens who are acting as their accomplices by hiring them to be their gardener, their nanny, their housekeeper.
0: So, should not we well, also uh, focus on punishing those U.S. citizens that do that? Yes,
1: yes. And I'll ask yourself: this. Yes, we they, they should. i ask yourself: this yes. Why is it that you have not heard a single presidential candidate in either party, Republican or Democrat? Say what I just said. Why the, they won't here? they
0: won't touch the they won't, they won't touch this in, issue. It's like a dog and they pony touch, show. They won't that. touch this aspect
1: of the issue. They'll talk endlessly about illegal immigration that, because it's, it's, vo- I'll tell you right and, now, because they want the the votes, you know, and they never and mentioned, never mention never mention the E word. The E word is, is employer. Okay? Because they are afraid mm. employers are not like illegal immigrants. You can pick on illegal immigrants all day long because they don't vote. Why don't you go pick on an employer because the employer will call up and say, us in. I'm stopping payment on the checks. Remember that check I gave you at your fundraiser last week, the real process? I'm stopping payment on the check. So employers are not going to yell at each other and say, I don't understand why we have so many people in this country. Really? Really? You don't understand? Because we hire them. Uh,
0: yes. And, and actually, I, I believe, uh, do you remember a politician by the name of Tom Tancredo?
1: I do very well, yes. Uh, okay, because. Paul contact was, he... was an openly nat- a nativist, an openly nativist, racist Republican in congressman in from Colorado. who once <laughs> said about Miami that Miami was a third world country.
0: Let a qu- a question. Yeah, yeah, you just let a question here. Well, if if the politicians dictate immigration, you know, and um, really come down on it, would they be called the ra- get the race card after them?
1: Nobody. I mean, nobody cares. Like Donald Trump's number one in the polls. The GOP front People call him a racist, the nativist. They a nativist. That's not done up about him in Mexico. He could care less. Uh, I, I don't think people care about being called a racist. I think people politicians are very simple. If you cut off their money, it's like cutting off their oxygen. Okay? They need money to survive. Rick Perry dropped out of the presidential race. You got that? Because why? He had no money. He ran out of money. It's all about the money. It's all the money. Right? That's that's the religion I subscribe to in journalism. All the money.
2: In in this
1: game, the money comes from employers. So you're never going to have politicians criticize employers. They'd rather kick an illegal immigrant who can't vote. Um, well,
0: Ruben, uh, there's, there is callers on this line. Ruben, I'll let you ask a question, then we'll check with our callers, okay? So go ahead.
1: I, I I just want to bring in, Rick Perry has $17 million in his pack. So he he's dropping out because there's no way that he can, not because of the money. I think he just doesn't have the substance to run for or the willpower to run for. Uh, you, need to look, you need to look at that again. He was not paying the folks in South Carolina. There are people who work for the Perry campaign who were not being ran out of money. Well, that's what Let's they're saying, but he has he has seventeen million dollars in his super PAC. I don't know what the, rule, I don't know what the rules are in governing how he can spend that money, but look it up. He's having trouble paying his staff, and he dropped out. Yeah, I, there, there, there's a way to get around that. But let me let me bring this up, Ruben. Uh, you, your article on giving the border kids dignity. Okay, now why should it be our responsibility? take care of kids from Central America and from other parts of the world when their own countries should be taking responsibility for that. That's the U.S. taxpayer. This, this is where I have a problem with a lot of people who, who, who are for illegal immigration. They want us, you know, and I, and I told the Democrats, a friend of mine, I said, you know what, it's great. You, wanna, you want You You're for illegal immigration? Beautiful. Take them take to your home, feed them, give them the car, do it. Don't do it on my on my money on my back. What do you think about that? That's I think that right. Every day in America, yeah. I think that happens every day in America with people who say they're afraid of illegal immigrants because they they're dangerous. Give them the security code to their house and leave a nanny there and you know with the kid unattended. And I think we we let, we don't have to talk hypothetically about letting illegal immigrants into our house. We do that every single day in America. Illegal immigrants leave in our homes. We bring them in. We let them. We say, here's the baby. Here's the baby. You know, I'm going to the mall. Here's the baby. So we, there's no doubt about having to bring them in. We bring them in fine. But the whole thing about Central American uh, kids, we have laws in the books that say that if you come as a refugee and you can prove A, B, and C, so you can prove that you have a case of a refugee, you get to stay as a refugee. We're not having a conversation about bringing in 10,000 people from Syria who by all accounts meet the definition of refugee. In the case of the Central Americans, we have people who are fleeing kids, who are fleeing uh, radically, violent, murderous gangs in Central America, and they never got to even make a hearing. They got picked up and turned around, no asylum hearing, no attorney, no judge, no nothing. And I am just mystified, I'm dumbfounded at how it is that people who went to law school, like Hillary Clinton, who went to Yale freaking law school, didn't learn in law school with their refugee laws, and there are law lot of refugees, and those people are due a hearing. We did not we didn't want them to have a hearing because we made them off the table politically. Politics always trusts everything else, including the law, including human rights. And they removed everybody out. So you don't have to worry about Central America taking over the United States. Uh, many of them, majority of them, got sent home. They got sent home.
0: This is such a great topic. Uh, hold on, uh, Ruben and Ruben. Um, we do have a lot of callers listening in on this one. Um, and if any of you want to ask a question go ahead now now's your time um any one of you uh again and the call in number is 646-915-8117 that's 646-915-8117 um anybody want to ask a question um caller 239 would you like to ask a question
4: oh, oh hi uh, uh, go ahead you like well my name is uh... Uh, I'm Chris Lauer. I'm with Roger E. Nichols, Unity Party candidate. I'm his presidential campaign manager. Uh, got a lot of stuff going on, and uh, yeah, we're kind of in the middle with the whole thing with the uh, legal immigration too. I understand the white ringers, left wingers, all that, but uh, uh, you know they both kind of sleep in the same bed at certain things too. You look at the Iran deal, you know. But That's like true. a video I said did. the other, the, you know, a video said the other day. The the country has had problems no matter what, if it's Democrat Republican, the the you know the the president from down to the uh, the Senate, the House, everybody not working together for America and we the people for decades really. So it's going to take a lot to fix the damage done, not just from Obama but from throughout the years.
0: That's true. And Ruben, do you want to chime in on that? Or uh, yes, Ruben.
1: Yes, and, and mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah. the, call, the caller's right about the damage that's been done, but we've got to own up to it and accept our responsibility. The, the easy thing, I think, is, is to blame Republicans, Democrats, Obama, you know, whoever was before him. Uh, most of our problems, I believe, as Americans, are self-imposed. Most of the obstacles we deal with are self-imposed and self-inflicted wounds. Immigration is one of them, but there are lots of other issues as well where we have sort of dictated way we want to live and we don't like following rules, and then we've we've been drawn down a very dark path, and it's it's unfortunate. So I think, you know, we can blame our leaders all day long, but uh, at the end, I mean, there's nothing else. We're the ones who keep electing these people over and over again. So every time we point the finger at
4: them, you know... I I agree with that. But then the the other side of it is, how about the 50% that don't even vote, or my vote don't count, my vote don't matter. Well, you're fools. If you all got up and voted, we could make a history here, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an easy case to make. They should be voting for sure, but... The parties also work really hard. I think they work really, really hard to uh, funnel all these choices down to a set choice. The fight that's going on right now the Democratic Party is something very simple. It's over the number of debates they're going to have. Something simple like that, the number of debates. And Martin O'Malley, to his credit, who was one of the students
4: We don't, we don't all need, all need all another all Bush. All I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I'm, all for, I'm all for voting, okay? I'm all, I'm all for voting. Like the local party should give us something to vote for. Something right, that's for. a good
4: point. You know, I think hey. America needs to wake up. We need an independent for a change in the White House. And, that, and that's my opinion. That's why I got but behind them. you, be, listen, y- you, you know. No,
2: no, 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 no.
4: No, no. Look at, uh, The be Trojan horse are we the be said, people. It's going to take I'll all be, the pull out all oh, the teeth and angles, right, everything we can do to right. wake up the people. I know time is critical. Um, you know, okay, hold, hold on. One, one, one at a time.
1: One, at a time one, at a, one moving our guest talk. Go ahead. You know, it, I mean, it's, it's tough. Easy to say, it's easy to
4: say you want to have an independent in the White House. You,
1: can't, you cannot have an independent in the White House. Because you have to get on the ballot and everything.
4: Well, yeah, yeah, okay. they, they, they do try hard to work against them. I understand that, and that's a problem. But you yeah. know, if we get the get the people that are behind it, we got 34 states that grow in the Unity Party of America. It, it 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 needs more attention. You know, the the they are the poor politicians. They don't get the respect. They don't get the funding. They don't get the uh, kickbacks if you kill if you will yeah. automatic. Oh, hey, there you go. You're ready to roll. You got X amount of dollars. Um, so it is right. a tough game to to get to get back to what our forefathers wanted, what they intended, you know. And that's where we need to right. think and, and, and figure out how to do this as a team, not just for the one presidential candidate, not just uh, a couple people working with them, but the whole team together. Let's mastermind something here. Let's do this, right. you know. Uh,
0: sir, okay, hold on one second. We do have other callers here. 619, you want to <laughs> chime in? Um, okay. Uh, anybody else want to chime in? Uh, Okay, so uh, let's go back to my co-host, Ruben.
1: Yeah, Ruben. um, Thank you, Doreen. I I wanted to talk to you in regards to why, in your opinion, Hispanics tend to follow and believe what the Democratic Party, uh, you know, tells us. It's like we have a, a large Hispanic community that has become Chiefs for the Democratic Party and every four years They come around promising everything And then they, they end up Disappointing and they still Come back again it's like They like to be victims, they like to be punished By the same party that for so many Years, just like the African American Party, they keep coming back For more punishment Right well, I agree. That's I agree. true. I agree. I agree that they've been punished, and I agree that they keep coming back for more punishment. I think they do it for three reasons. One is brand loyalty. It sounds silly until you think about how marketing works and how people buy. So my grandmother bought the same laundry detergent for 50 years. Uh, and I think that we got used to the idea of the Democratic brand. We feel comfortable up with the Democratic brand. Uh, the people who become Republicans, Hispanic Republicans, are outliers. Uh, if you are Puerto Rican or Dominican, And you're a Republican, You're good luck with that. Because, you know, most of the community, those communities are mostly Democrats. In the Latino community, the Mexican-Americans, obviously in in California where the Republican brand is toxic among Hispanics, it's a tough rate to hold if you're a Hispanic Republican living in California. Uh, So, you know, maybe a little easier living in Texas. But uh, it, it it is about brand loyalty. It's also about the mistakes the Republican Party makes. I mean, I'm just struck by how incredibly boneheaded Republicans are. I mentioned Tom Tank Cradle before, but there's always another case, another instance of somebody, be it Ann Coulter, who's not an elected official but is a Republican, saying things that are outright racist and inaccurate, uh, and nobody calls her on it. Like I, what? I don't quite understand that. Wait, what do you mean? Like what? Like what? Well, I mean, the, the overall, uh, well, like this, I mean, the overall assumption is that when people come to this country, they come in, they're inferior to the people who are already here. They're not as well-skilled, they're not as educated, they're more violent, they're more diseased, they're, they're more dangerous, all those things. And it's the same argument they had going back 250 years when Benjamin Franklin first ran against the Germans, uh, and later people ran against the Chinese or the Jews. There was always the group was coming as inferior. So when you hear an attack on illegal immigrants based on this idea that somehow there is something wrong with them, okay? Not something wrong with the system, not something wrong with the law, not something wrong with the border. If you want to talk about the, how the, the, the border's broken, cool, I'm with you. When you start talking about how the immigrants are broken, you lost me. And if you listen to these arguments, it's often couched in such a way as to say somehow that they are more violent, more print criminal activity, uh, that they come here to rape and murder people. Donald Trump said that. Uh, there well, are other uh, people who said that. Well, Ruben, he said that about illegal immigrants. Uh, well, if you go back and look he, I don't know. If you go back and... Actually, no, no, no. But he said about, he said about, let, 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 let's, see, this is, this is the part about... Go back and read that transcript. transcript. Go back and read that transcript. In that first speech, uh, in the middle of June, it was June 16th, when he made those remarks, it was, this was not about illegal and legal. He left them all together. Bill O'Reilly mm-hmm. and others called him on, the, on that fact and said he had left them all together. Go back and read the transcript. The words speaks themselves. You talked about Mexico sending people. They're not sending their best. They're sending murderers and rapists. The word well, illegal or illegal does not appear in that speech at all. Okay, because the, the, way, the way I interpret it, the way wow, I, that's I, a, I... That's a different story. If, you, if it's the way you interpret it, that's different than the words on the page.
4: The words
1: on okay. the page. mean what the words on the page mean. Okay. Because you know, <laughs> if you want, if we, if we want to, if we want to compare uh, Republican racism, I, I can give you what Joe Biden said. That is a sure. Democratic. Joe Biden said when he went, he was at an event. He said uh, something about, "Oh, all the waiters here are all Hispanic." You know, I I, I took that offensive. Oh no. no. So, I, yeah, I I guess, I that guess call, man. I'm gonna help you out with that. I've been he made jokes about Indians, saying that Indians always a seven. huh? Yeah. So he made jokes Democrats, the Democrats social Democrats, social Democrats I have been as racist. They're the party. They were the party of the taking yes. I have, I have no problem. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the corner where I defend Democrats. But both, both parties are full of racist people. That's clear, I agree but, with you. But what I'm talking about here with regard to Republicans is if Donald Trump is worth 10 billion dollars and he communicates very well, we now know. I mean, mm-hmm. the, his brain and his mouth work very well in concert with one another. He may say the wrong thing, but he only says exactly what he means. But I am not here to defend this guy and say, "Well, I interpreted this way. He meant this. He didn't mean that." Oh, BS! You say it. You wrote it. You put it down mm-hmm. it on paper. You own it. Those are your words. You own it. Oh, you own no, no, no! i, I have to separate I, legal from legal. all the Mexicans together. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that if I can, I can give count by count whatever the rep- Republicans have said uh, racist things. The Democrats have done even worse. And I and I have no argument there. But I'm not I'm not going to defend the Democrats by saying, "Well, we left the Republicans off the hook because the Democrats do it too." Republicans, if they care about the future of the party and they believe in demographics, they I, I love the opinion. And I don't agrees with me, but I'm of the opinion that Republicans cannot win elections going forward if they continue to piss off Hispanics. And uh, people who disagree with me, Rush Limbaugh and others on radio, they disagree with me. They say, you know what? We don't need to go after Hispanics. We can win on just white and black votes alone. We don't need Hispanics. More power to you. Roll the dice on that. See how it turns out, okay? Because the are just percent of the population right now, and they inhabit three of the five battle grand states, the last five battleground states, namely Nevada, Colorado, and Florida. So if you want to piss them off and you want to roll the dice, get used to the following phrase, President
2: Hillary Clinton.
0: All right. All right. Um, so but anyhow, and, and I want to ask you, Ruben, your projection for 2016, because we only have about three minutes left. Uh, who, who do you think will take the presidency? Who's your pick?
1: I think, man, I think, you have to, I think you have to look sort of state by state. Initially, it's very hard to see a scenario where Donald Trump doesn't win New Hampshire and Iowa, and probably South Carolina. I think that Donald Trump could win the first three states going into Nevada, and we'll see what happens in Nevada. Uh, It's it's fast becoming the case that only Jeb Bush, only Jeb Bush can stop him. I don't know if Ben Carson has the longevity here, but many others are not long for this world. Rand Paul, Scott Walker, Lindsey Graham, even Chris Christie, who once looked very strong, is is not long for this world. That list is going to shrink very quickly. Uh, you very quickly end up with, I think, maybe a short list of, of someone like uh, Jeb, uh, Carson, Randall Bush, Carson, Trump, and Rubio. Um, very possibly those could be your four, maybe Carly, uh, number five. So those are going to be your, your final four or five. And then I think that it's uh, it's very hard to imagine a scenario now where Trump does not win the nomination. He could well win the nomination, Uh Jeff could stop him. I think Jeff's probably the only person who could stop him. And they have to look in Nevada uh, for Jeff to pull it out in Nevada. Hopefully, on the strength of some Latino votes uh, in Nevada. Well, With the Democrats, you know, if Hillary Clinton's to lose if she doesn't get indicted in at federal prison. Uh, then she could become president. She's uh, she's not going to prison. Uh, she's going to be pushed yeah. out, but she's not uh, going to uh, prison. Uh, but yeah. let, let me let me yeah. uh, real one quick thing yeah. I, I got to mention. You you mentioned everyone except one person that is the best qualified. Brilliant presidential yeah. Ted Cruz. You, you, Ted, he, Ted is not,
0: that's true. That's true.
1: Yeah, so Ted is not going to. Ted is not going to perform. He hasn't performed as well as he perhaps thought he would. Uh, now I think he's, he's resigned himself to sort of campaigning to be Donald Trump's VP choice. Uh, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes, I, I think
1: that I think that when you see when Ted is basically. audience. They're expecting 40 million people to turn into the CNN debate, tune into the CNN debate tomorrow. But those are people watching Trump. It's all about Trump. Romney wants to align himself with Trump. But when you do that, you basically say that all you're hoping for now is a VP spot uh, that's never going to go head-to-head against Donald Trump.
0: All right. And, um, Ruben, uh, I want to tell you we're out of time. And it's my pleasure. My pleasure for having you on the but show. I, 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 you have a website? Yeah, you give us your website?
1: Sure, it's rubennavaretha.com it's N-A-V-A-R-R-E-T-T-E rubennavaretha.com you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter uh, or just follow the smoke man, just follow the air and uh, you'll find me <laughs> You're great, man um, You're, 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 you're we, we, a yeah. We, We we, I, I love I, I enjoy interviewing uh, Ruben Navaretha Yeah, you're 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 an elite class, man I appreciate we, we it have to, much, We have to we have to we have some disagreements, but agreements also. At yes, do. To everybody.
2: Um, we always have
1: disagreements. Everybody does. But I we look uh, forward they're to they're having out. you back. Okay, thank you Absolutely.
0: Much. And, um, right, folks, um, again, we're out of time, and I want to thank everybody for listening. And um, I do want to mention that um, for a couple of things, number one, next week, um, stay tuned for this. Um, we have a guest. His name is Roger Nichols and he has a surprise he's going to tell us. Um, very important, very important show. Um, and also, I want to encourage you to watch the, the debates tomorrow night. Um, we're going to give you an um, uh, analyze that and see who comes out ahead. And um, also, again, don't forget to go to the nonprofit's website, studentsforbetterfuture.com, and kindly make a donation. We only work off of donations. Um, and that's what keeps this little radio show going. And um, Ruben, another week.
1: Wow. It's great. Yes. Very intense. Very,
0: very intense, intense
1: tonight,
0: but yeah, very yeah, yeah. good, right?
1: It's right? Very good, yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think, uh, uh, but this, when I interviewed Ruben a couple of years ago, that this is how it was. It was very back and forth, back and forth. Uh
0: huh. So, uh, well, we hope to have that again, okay, because it was very very uh, stimulating discussion and debate, and it's, it's very educational, you know, and very, and that's what we good. do, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, right. folks, yep, Ruben, we're out. Stay tuned for yep. next week.
1: Have a good Fantastic. Night. All right, looking forward.